people say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm horror host Trav. Joining me as always is the theme queen herself, producer Kate. Hi. And making her return to the show, the Carly Kennedy. Hello. In relation to the Kennedys that ran America for years. We don't um, bring up my family here. I thought we had discussed that. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So we were supposed to record this the other day and uh, I got boosted. So I felt like hell. Uh, I was literally driving around. I, was, I I told you guys this. I was literally driving around listening to metal with a fever, with like the air conditioning <laughs> on full blast, like eating in the car. Um, it was a strange experience. Though. So you just waited for the day that I got boosted so that I yeah. could come in with like a fever dream nonsense I, coming out of my mouth. Yeah, and we uh, we uh, recommend everyone getting boosted uh, on this HMF. Uh, we are we are vaccine friendly, I would say, uh, but. <laughs> The booster did, uh, did. Is the booster making you feel strange at all? My or? arm is very sore, but it's been about like six hours, so I can. Next time I'm on, I'll tell you if I like woke up hallucinating or not. Yeah, I had like fever dreams or or something. What, what about you, Kate? I had a couple body aches, maybe, and that was it. Yeah. I'm convinced that all the men that complain about getting the booster and how sick it made them feel are uh, just a bunch of crybabies. Because <laughs> yeah. like, it's, only, feel... it's only men I hear complain about. <laughs> They're like, I feel great all the time. Now I feel so it hits, us, it hits us harder. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. There's, there's something going on. You're but any, anyway, so Carly and I recently, uh, so this will be airing probably, I, I, I don't know the date that this will be airing. So uh, this is uh, past Trav, talking to future Trav. But um, we recently went and checked out the new Scream. So, mm-hmm. Carly, what did you think? Non-spoilers, of course. Uh, Producer Kate has not checked it out yet, right? No. So, non-spoilers, of course, but uh, what did you think about... Did they carry the mantle into this new generation, or did it fall flat for you? I thought that they carried the mantle, but... Um... They almost played too far into explaining how they're trying to carry the mantle for the existing fans. Yeah. The okay. I think they over-explained that several times where they could have just explained that once. Yeah. I don't know if you want to elaborate more on that because I am afraid I might give a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the movie's been out a couple weeks at this point, like uh, at, at the air date of this episode. But yeah, it was... Um, the reveals of the killer or killers, I should say, you know, whether whatever one or two, I won't reveal that. But uh, it was very, uh, very, very meta, their reasoning for mm-hmm. doing the crimes and stuff. So uh, some of that stuff fell a little flat for me. Um, Heath liked it a lot. Heath kept uh, turning to me and talking about scary movie throughout the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying Officer Doofy like throughout the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was like, uh, I was texting Bub afterwards, and I was like, "This is it was fucking terrible." And then I was like, "Yeah, it'd probably be like an eight out of ten, like third best in the series for me." And he was just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I was like, "I fucking hated that movie." But anyway, yeah. So, scream, uh, non-spoiler thoughts. I actually liked it a lot better than I did like walking out of it. But um, yeah, a solid return to the franchise, a solid return for Ghostface. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get my book rec out of the way, uh, and my book rec before we get into the movie of the night. So my book rec this week is Night Shift from Stephen King. Uh, I have the hardcover edition that you can get a books, a, books a million. Uh, I think it, <laughs> what do you, why do you laugh? I've always thought that's a funny name for uh, books a million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they have like a bunch of shit now. Like, I don't know if it's just bookstores trying to like get into all these different markets, but they have like candles, they have like Ouija boards and shit. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. They've become more of a gift shop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, the hardcover Night Shift, Night Shift was his first short story collection. It has like Children of the Corn. As you can see, I had I had to have this because of the Children of the Corn cover. <laughs> um, but Children of the Corn trucks, um, 
sometimes they come back. The Mangler it has a bunch of classic stories. The Boogeyman was always one of my favorite ones. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's my book wreck of the week. If you haven't checked out Stephen King, try his short story stuff. So, Carly and Producer Kate, are you ready to get into tonight's movie? Yes. Let's do it. So, tonight's movie is 1990s Misery, directed by Rob Reiner. Um, he is known particularly for his comedies. You know, he's done the extremely overrated and terrible Princess Bride. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is <laughs> Princess Bride fucking sucks, no, but it, <laughs> it does. It's a children's movie. Okay. Is it? Yes. This is Spinal Tap, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, when Harry met Sally, <laughs> bore. <laughs> and uh, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. And uh, the coming of age masterpiece, Stand by Me, uh, starring the great James Can or James. Con- is it Can? I think it's James Con. I, don't I think know. it's James Con. Yeah, I think it's James Con as Paul Sheldon, uh, Donnie from the Sonny from the Godfather, Thief, Brian Song. Uh, Brian Song is the movie that they made us watch like a million times in fifth grade about the two Chicago Bears running backs. It's like, who gives a fuck? (laughs) Uh, Kathy Bates is Annie Wilkes, who won the Oscar for Best Actress that year. Mm Well-deserved. Yeah, Richie Farnsworth as Sheriff Buster, Francis Sternhagen as Deputy Virginia, and Lauren Bacall as Marcia Sindel. Uh, Lauren Bacall, classic actress, Big Sleep, Dark Passage, and Key Largo. With Humphrey Bogart, some of my absolute favorites. Um, Synopsis of this film. After a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realize that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. Um, Is this how you are with Adam Driver? Like, would you go this far with Adam Driver? Would I capture him? Yeah. um... Pull him out of his car and torture him and... You know, help him, yeah. nurse him back to yeah. hell. I would nurse him back to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would wait till he got the what's it called when you're a prisoner, Stockholm syndrome, yeah. and fell in oh love with God. me. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I would never do this to a person. <laughs> I'm not a psycho. Yeah, she would. Uh, based on the novel by Stephen King, uh, one of the most beloved Stephen King adaptations. Stephen King was initially reluctant to sell the film rights to Misery. However, thanks to the film I mentioned before, Stand By Me. Have you guys both seen Stand By Me? Oh, yeah. I have not. Dude, it's a classic. It's a (laughs) classic. That's a good one. It's one that I hadn't caught until later on. And it was one of those where, like, you're up late at, like, 3 a.m. And then you're, like, crying because you're thinking about your childhood and shit. (laughs) Uh, Which was uh, Stand By Me, which was based on Stephen King's The Body, uh, published in his short story collection, Different Seasons. Uh, King was so impressed by it that he actually agreed to sell the film rights, but only to Rob Reiner. Um, according to the writer of the film, William Goldman's book, Four Screenplays, James Kahn wasn't the first choice to play Paul. Um, and some think that it was a slight miscast. We'll get into that a little bit later, whether you guys think so or not. The role of Paul Sheldon was reportedly offered to Warren Beatty, Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, uh, Morgan Freeman, Mel Gibson, Gene Hackman, William Hurt, Al Pacino, uh, and Robert Redford and Bruce Willis, all of whom declined. So basically, every fucking guy in Hollywood. Interesting. Uh, Bruce Willis would later play the role of Paul on Broadway alongside Lauren Metcalf in 2015. To, uh, who would sure. you guys have picked up from that lineup? Uh, or so, would you pick James Caan? I don't know. I really like James Caan. I thought that he fit it really well. You liked him? I thought he was good in this. I would probably go like Morgan Freeman or something. Like maybe really? somebody a little really? bit softer. I was thinking um, Dreyfus or Hackman would have been really yeah, good in this. Yeah. Um, James Caan is kind of a hardness to him. Yeah. Which kind of rubbed people like if it, it kind of, it kind of, that's why people kind of think it was like a little bit of a miscast because he's like the tough guy yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like I said, Bruce Willis would actually go on to play the part of Paul on Broadway alongside Lord Metcalf in 2015. Um, like I said, in the, in the casting part in 1991, Kathy Bates was made immortal by winning an Oscar for best actress with this film. Uh, Rod, Rob Reiner studied a lot of Alfred Hitchcock. As I mentioned before, like when Harry met Sally, you know, all these other films that he was making, he wanted to know how to shoot a thriller slash horror film. So he watched a ton of Hitchcock. Um, there was a debate when it came to the feet scene 
and not the uh, not a Tarantino foot scene, Carly, but the iconic breaking of Paul's ankles. Uh, not to, don't get too excited over there. Uh, I know you're in defeat and stuff. <laughs> in the book, Annie chops Paul's foot off with an axe, then uses a propane torch to cauterize the wound so he won't bleed out. Um, do you keep the book scenes or change the script for Annie to just break Paul's ankles like they did? Uh, originally, Reiner, like I said, he bought the rights. So originally, he hired director George Roy Hill uh, to helm the film. And Reiner would produce. Hill backed out, though, because like... And a bunch of people backed out because the film still had that scene in there where she cuts off his ankle. So it was like... Uh, Hill goes on to explain that he was up all night and he just couldn't hear himself saying action on that scene, which sounds, you know, a little, little pussyfied if you ask me. <laughs> um, Reiner was a fan of the breaking instead of the cutting. And like I said, when Hill left the, the film, Reiner was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to just step in and direct it. Uh, writer Goldman was also one that was angry that it was like changed, but he later admitted that uh, Reiner was probably right in changing it to the hobbling scene. Um, prosthetic legs were created for the hobbling scene by special effects makeup artist Har- Howard Berger at KMB FX Group, uh, modeled from casts of Khan's own legs. Um, so, Carly, after my uh, fit of rambling there, what is your initial reaction to the misery, and how the hell have you missed this film for so long? <laughs> I think it's one of those films where I've seen so many references to it um, that I felt like I have seen it. Like, I'm – please don't come after me. But I am someone who hasn't seen Forrest Gump. Like, I miss, like, very basic (laughs) films because I feel like I've seen them. This is one of those – you asked me if I'd seen it. I looked up the synopsis and I was like, guess I haven't. So, uh, that being said, I really loved um, this movie a lot. It surprised me in many ways. Maybe this has to do with the miscasting that we were just talking about. I was very surprised that the author was such a likable guy. Mm-hmm. I was expecting him to be sort of like Kurt, almost like to where it makes it easier for us to start rooting for her rather than mm-hmm. him. Or maybe that's just like how they make films nowadays. Like we want to root for the woman. <laughs> but um, I liked that aspect aspect of it. Um, I also liked, uh, you know, the police officer. I love... a competent police officer you barely see that in films True. and he was actually doing a fantastic job yeah uh kathy bates uh big clap for her i love her uh i really had only seen her in horror films it's not even a film american horror story mm-hmm. that was my only like basis she's for in her. the uh coven right the coven yeah and um uh, the Roanoke okay, the right. other season where she actually she gets to play two roles so mm-hmm. I really liked uh, her in this movie and I thought it was great it Is gave this... me a lot of ideas for um, my relationship <laughs> <laughs> it killer. actually reminded me a lot of how Josh and I met no. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of our women want to hobble us at one point or another um kate what about like what about your have you seen this a bunch like this movie um this is my second watch so okay. i had seen this and while i was watching it brian's like when did you see this for the first time i thought high school maybe but i was like i didn't have a strong like memory of who i was with or where i was from but then i like clicked midway um probably during the scene where she's like splashing the <laughs> a lighter fluid on him <laughs> and then i was like oh i saw this in college with like some people from the dorm they were all like we were, it was like a bunch of movie buffs kind of got mm-hmm. together and mm-hmm. so one of them had a rich parent who got them a really nice tv for their their room and they had a suite Must be nice yeah so we were like all <laughs> piled in there and watched misery and i loved it just as much seeing it this time i was still like well i i almost like threw up with that hobbling scene like there's something about breaking of bones that to me is like so much more hard to watch than like you said that like chopping off the foot and cauterizing the wound yeah like because i can't imagine what that would feel like but i've broken bones and i know what that feels like i haven't broken visual the visual of that is just i haven't broken anything because i drink a lot of milk okay (laughs) and i have really good eyesight because i eat a lot of carrots so i get it milk with ice in it so yeah that's why i haven't broken any bones uh so you mentioned that um oh i was gonna go back to carly um is this your first exposure to stephen king like any like i mean i've seen it okay yeah 
Um, what about like like uh, so you said it? What about like Pet Cemetery? Like any of these other I've ones? I've seen Pet Cemetery. There was a Netflix movie that came out with the mom from Spy Kids. I don't even know <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. But I'm not like a huge like I'm not gonna you know drag him from a car and nurse him to health and uh, <laughs> in my house or anything. So we like to do a uh, kind of like a thing on here. Where we give where we give Kate an opportunity to state or read or remember the synopsis, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna leave it to uh, two minutes this time. So Kate, we'll do you, see. Do you have a prepared synopsis in under two minutes? I don't have it prepared, but the beauty of this film is <laughs> very simple. Right? So much of it takes place just in that room and in that house, mm-hmm. and so there's not. I'm not gonna walk through every single scene, right. but. You know, basically, the writer Paul uh, is famous for this series that he writes about a woman named Misery Chastain. And um, she's much beloved. I'm guessing they're kind of romancy um, novels set in like olden times or something. <laughs> and uh, his he's talking with his agent and his most recent book that's already set to hit shelves very soon mm-hmm. uh, kills off Misery Chastain. Because he's <laughs> like, listen, I can't write Misery forever. I can't write this character forever. Like, I want... And this is, I think, a lot of writers that write series run into this, right? Where they're just like, I need to end this and do something else because this is becoming old and boring for me. So... <clears throat> He has this ritual where when he starts to write his next book, he always goes out to this. I forget what the town's called. Sorry. It's like a ski uh, town. Yeah, that's a good call. I should know. Is it Crystal something or Crystal <laughs> Springs? Um, so anyway, in this ski town at this specific resort, he's very um, ritualistic and um, superstitious maybe even because mm-hmm. uh, he stays in this hotel, you know, writes his book doesn't make any copies mm-hmm. he just has the one copy that he's typed up and then when he's done he heads home oh no he has, he a, cigarette, has a cigarette a single cigarette <laughs> a glass of champagne don't parry on and then he books it because he and he drives a mustang which like he's driving up in this snowy area in a real rear wheel drive car it's dude he was flying too so anyway he has fit he has written this new book which is um, I guess you find out later um, it's about kids that live in the slums. Or it's like cussing. It's a totally different vibe from Misery. He's driving back and he's booking it. There had been a major snow. He was, like, was in the middle of a snowstorm kind of. Um, and he's on like mountain roads. It's wild. And he's got the music playing and he's just like slides off. Some Something stops him. Um, I don't actually... I've seen it twice and never paid attention to what causes him to go off Mm -hmm. the road, but he goes off the road. His car flips. He's like majorly injured and he's a car clutching clutching his novel, clutching his novel. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) it just so happens that a a car that was following him, you know, stops and you never see who it is, uh, at first. And she, uh, you find out it's Kathy Bates character, Annie Wilkes. And she is a beast. Like she's so fucking strong. Um, probably from her many years of being a nurse, which you also find out. And she pulls him out of the car, takes him to her house, uh, grabs the novel. Um, and boom, you're in this room. He's waking up. She's been nursing him back to health. And she tells him these lies when he starts asking questions like, Oh, have you, you know, can I get to the hospital? Have you like, do you have a phone? Can I call my family? And she's like, Oh, the, the storm was so bad. The power lines are down. Uh, we'll get like, I'll, I'll make sure as soon as those open up, we'll call. And she's acting this like sweet. Um, I'm your number one fan, you know, um, you're gonna be just fine. you're gonna be just fine <laughs> if you've heard our intro song uh, or like intro music and uh, quotes and stuff from movies it's in that but anyway she's like acting this sweet little role like oh i'm just this innocent lady who just is doing a good deed uh she says the roads are like <laughs> it's been you know weeks go by she's acting sketchier and sketchier um he finally finally clicks with him that something's a little off like Oh, they probably would have cleared roads to the hospitals first. 
um, they probably have gotten the power lines up. This town's mm-hmm. no stranger to big mm-hmm. snowstorms and blizzards. Um, and he and she's acting very strange. Uh, and she makes him burn his own book because she read it and didn't like the cuss words. Like she has really weird things that trigger her. And she re- reveals these little details through, like in every exchange she has with him of like her past like there's things like she mentions being in front of a trial you know in front of a jury my mind was muddled that one time i sat in on front- the, the witness <laughs> stand yeah yeah what? she's like in front of she's like like alluded to being in front of a jury so he's like okay this woman is fucking nuts uh he starts uh hiding you know not taking the pills she's giving him um he's she gives him a typewriter and she's like i want you to rewrite the end of misery because um, she gets the book that comes out and is like livid at him because mm-hmm. he killed off misery. And she's like, no, you're going to rewrite this. And so he does because he doesn't want to get killed by this woman. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of, he's exercising and healing this entire time he's writing this book and kind of playing the good hostage. And <clears throat> he hatches a plan to kind of pick a lock and get himself into the house to see if he can find help she doesn't have a phone and he does that a couple times I feel like um trying to prepare a, an escape uh and things come to a head when she at the same time she realizes that he has been out in the house so she reveals to him that she knows he's been out in the house mm-hmm. she's been holding on to that for a little while um the sheriff has also been constantly searching for this guy they come across his car and they start you know, going to properties and asking questions. And he um, finds out that Annie Wilkes has been buying up a bunch of paper, which is really weird. And so he's like, all right. And like you said, he's very confident. And his wife and him are very cute. But anyway, he goes out, starts asking questions of Annie. She's evading him. And <laughs> uh, this, this is kind of where the climax happens. Like she straight up takes a shotgun, kills the, well, she, first she throws Paul in the basement. Uh, and then when the sheriff comes back hearing the commotion in the basement of Paul, like she like shoots him with a shotgun, palms the hot end of that rifle, <laughs> like, and, uh, doesn't even blink. And then it's like a fight between Annie and Paul. And ultimately Paul does escape. Well, he doesn't like he they don't show him his escaping. They show him taking her out. They like they have a huge kind of fight. There's a couple jump scares where she comes back to like for, you think she's dead and she comes mm-hmm. back. It's like a classic kind of horror jump scare. Of the end like, oh, but she's not dead. And then he kills her. And, you know, it, they flash forward from there to him, you know, having P- PTSD in a restaurant, thinking he's seeing Annie Wilkes everywhere, you know, and but he has lived He's kind of thriving. He's got his new book out, whatever he's doing. And he ends up saying that she actually helped him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. And there's, I think that gets at the core of like kind of Stephen King, like something Stephen King does a lot in his novels, which is talk about the writer's experience. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and we'll get into themes and stuff later. But yeah, that is pretty much it. When I try not to get too deep into any of like the specific scenes between the two of them. Uh, because I know we want to talk about it, but that's it. So let's talk about uh, these two characters, because like Kate's kind of said, it's kind of like it is kind of play like because you could you could very well see this as a play because mm-hmm. most of the setting is this one room really, or these you know these multiple rooms in this little bitty house. But Carly, what did you think about? Let's get into like characters and s- some of our favorite scenes, and then we can get into themes. But let's tackle characters and some of our favorite scenes first. But Carly, what did you think about character, the characters in this film? So um, my favorite character actually was the sheriff. <laughs> I thought him and his wife were very endearing. And he actually <laughs> had one of my favorite scenes um, where he is going. He's walking into the room mm-hmm. um, with the typewriter. And Kathy Bates is fetching him a hot cocoa, which I'm sure she put something in that. Like that had to have been a thing. But, like, he walks into the doorframe, and so does she. And then he leans out, and she leans out. (laughs) And then they go back, and I'm sitting there. Because to me, that's, like, creepy, creepy. I don't know why, but that, like, sort of gave me chills. And then he leans back in, and then he leans out again, and so does she. And I was like, dude, this is... Um, I love that one. Obviously, the hobbling scene was Mm -hmm. great. Um, 
we talked about it. Um, one of the things I wanted to, one of the when I lost tra- train of thought earlier, I was going to say Kathy Bates, like actually, because Kathy Bates is a very like, and everybody on set was talking about how she's like very anti-violence and like is not like this person at all. Obviously, she's an actress, but like the hobbling scene was actually incredibly difficult for her and Rob Reiner. Uh, Kathy Bates actually was reported to like cry on set when oh. she had to like work up to like get that kind of anger to do it. Like, you know, cause it is like, it is a very traumatizing scene. Well, they only showed one smack. They didn't show a no. second foot. I no. thought that was interesting. I thought that was more powerful that they did I did that. too. Yeah. <laughs> and like, since we're bringing up the hobbling, when you uh, talked about how the book, they actually use an ax and in yeah. the movie they use a sledgehammer. I think... The breaking of the feet is so much more brutal. Like, <laughs> I think it, it is too. Like you chop off feet, like okay, like fine, like it's clean. Well, not clean, like there's shit everywhere. Yeah, you can kind of like, like <laughs> peg it. You know yeah, but saying? like if you like <laughs> like break both of your feet, they're just hanging there. Like to me, that feels so much more brutal. Right. But yeah. Right. <laughs> Kate, what did you think about that? Oh, oh, the hobbling. I kind of yeah. alluded to it early. I I think it could have been good and shocking whichever way they went listen to you but there's something about the hobbling to me <laughs> that is like i said it's just much more um sort of gut-wrenching when you yeah. watch it like especially if you've broken a bone before you kind of know that pain that like aching pain that just doesn't go away like and you imagine if all she did was like set it in a homemade splint like oh my god it's Dude. crazy I know that I'm like horror host trap, but did they ever review? Did they ever remake this? That's something that I should have wrote, uh, like looked up. I don't think they did. Did didn't they make allusion to it in that one show? Um, Let's Google Castle it. Rock. Yeah, so they didn't remake it, but yeah, Annie Wilkes was actually a character in uh, Castle Rock, the TV show that they did for Hulu. But I was gonna say, like, one of the things before I th- I remembered that show. And I think it was a deliberate choice to put her in a show instead of a movie. I don't think this movie needs to be touched. Like, no. I think as far as adaptations, like this and Carrie and a couple others are like near perfect. But I don't know what you guys like. Who could they cast in these two roles? It would definitely be TikTok stars. So it would definitely <laughs> ruin it. Like Addison Ray as Kathy Bates' character. Like Lizzo as Kathy Bates' character. <laughs> That'd be killer. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in agreement. This doesn't need touched. Like, right. when it comes to characters, you kind of know how I feel about Paul, the guy who played Paul. James. Is it James Conn? I don't know how you feel about oh, the guy. Oh, well, I kind of alluded earlier. I think he was too hard. Like, okay. he was too um, just... And I don't know if this was the character itself or just how he chose to play it. So yeah. maybe I'm wrong about this. But I got the sense that he played the character as this kind of like... Yeah, he appreciates his fans to the extent of... You know, they make his money for him. Um, but he he's doesn't not, seem like a romance writer. He's not me. particularly. <laughs> he's not particularly like warm when he thinks at first that she's just like a, a nice woman doing a nice deed, who's his number one fan and loves his books. Even when he's like, you know, kind of placate, it, it just comes off as placating mm-hmm. and insincere. Um, whereas I feel like a Hackman or. Uh, Dreyfus maybe would have played it a little more like genuine, like a genuinely kind of nice guy who just really wants to like spread his artistic wings and he doesn't have this chip on his shoulder, you know, like, but Jane, the cons portrayal of Paul is like, got this chip on his shoulder. Um, And then of course, my, you know who my favorite is. My favorite is Annie Wilkes. Okay. Like (laughs) it's gotta be, (laughs) it's gotta be. Kathy Bates is like unbelievable at just going from this, cheery happy to this absolute deranged like dead behind the eyes kind oh, of god jekyll and hyde thing and it it's just so good honestly, <laughs> it was inspiring yeah. <laughs> you know i felt myself slip like that before <laughs> like, <I bet> but <laughs> it's usually hormonal but anyway uh yeah <laughs> and it, i feel like there's so many la- <laughs> there's so many layers to um to her character that you learn later on when, when he's going through the scrapbook and everything, which is even more deranged. She keeps a uh-huh. scrapbook of her crimes and like her. Oh yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I would just love to see like a psychiatrist or psychologist like breakdown of Annie Wilkes as a character. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just wild. 
I loved her. Yeah, some of her quotes were like fucking amazing, like the dirty birdie thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, one of my one of my favorite scenes is where she's calling him a dirty birdie. Um, another another one, since you've already mentioned a couple of the greats, the hot yeah. and oh, when she's telling, so she's really upset with Paul because he's written an ending to this new, like the the rewrite of the last misery book that she, you know, has been forcing him to write, and he, or, or no, it's in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's she's upset with the beginning because he kind of just haphazardly makes up a a reason for why Annie didn't die, mm-hmm. or sorry, misery didn't die, and she tells this Rocket Man story of how she would go to the movies <laughs> back in the day, and um, you would see the cliffhangers, and there was a Rocket Man cliffhanger, and it it like she has fucking PTSD apparently from. <laughs> seeing the cliffhanger coming back the next week to see what happens and um the writers didn't make it consistent the start of the the next scene consistent with the cliffhanger from the week before and that's why she's upset with paul she's like drawing she's basically giving him a writing and editing lesson which she is not wrong he did need to fix that but she is absolutely deranged she's like (laughs) So she starts screaming about this Rocket Man scene. She's like, he didn't get out of the cock duty car. Yeah. So she says, like, cock duty all the time in this. It's just absolutely hilarious. Because, like, she doesn't cuss, but she murders people. Yeah. And babies. She murders babies. Okay? Yeah. yeah Killer. We buddy. all have our thoughts. Okay? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just hilarious. And I love a little bit later when she's, like, honking at somebody. I think it's when uh, she's going to get the paper. And she's just like, yeah, cock duty <laughs> You gonna start calling people cocka duty as you drive around? Oh, I already do. That's why I was so weirded out watching this movie. That's a strange coincidence. Kathy Bates was on like Conan, I think, or David Letterman, and she was like saying that uh, her mother wasn't like wasn't blown away by her performance because her mother said that she had seen all those behaviors before. I was like, holy shit. Oh my God, that's Um, brutal. One thing I wanted to touch on on the hobbling scene was um, the music that they were playing. Was that Moonlight Sonata? You know, I I didn't even clock the music because I was so distracted by that. I felt like that was a great fucking choice to play like that, like creepy, like slowly kind of... slowly kind of um like delving into madness as she's like talking through her preparation of the hobbling and she's mm-hmm. like she's telling you the history of the hobbling and these practices that they used to use and shit mm-hmm. i just felt like that whole scene is like brilliant man and it's like rob reiner like to go from something as shitty as the princess <laughs> bride Shut and then up. to that <laughs> to that it's like all right but well, any, just a quick note this does have a great soundtrack this film they oh, come really? in they come in strong with a i forget what the song is but they come in really strong when he's like rocking out in the car yeah yeah like it's good yeah. i didn't notice it so much in this one uh but yeah no like uh, a good classical uh theme as well to end it like a, a like a 50s song or something 50s love song um so do we want to get into the themes well i uh, want to know are there any other scenes that we haven't mentioned that you think is a favorite we mentioned it a little bit earlier but i really really love the scene and of course like you have to bring these up when she goes out every time she goes out to run an errand because these scenes literally have you like biting your nails and like, my butthole yeah it's like <laughs> and it's really really well done like he he watched a lot of hitchcock which i feel like kind of was uh, allowing him to kind of tap into some of that like way to build a thriller. But he really built these scenes where you're following her, what she's doing at the store and stuff, her driving, and she's like looking glazed and, you know, just ahead and shit. But you're following this time and you're seeing his every move and her every move. And the one part that made me fucking cringe, and I'm like, you would never fucking do that, was when... He knocks over the penguin and then he puts the penguin like back backwards. Dude, so <laughs> amateur. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm like, come on, man. But like just the tenseness of those scenes I thought was like brilliant. So like as far as scenes go, there's a couple of those like throughout the movie. But yeah, like all this like will they will she find out? Won't she find out? Another great scene for me. And it's in this similar vein was at dinner. 
when Kathy Bates was actually looking kind of fine at that scene. Um, but they're sitting at dinner. She was looking thick. She, they're sitting at dinner, right? And he's like, and I was telling Rose, I was watching it with Rose, and I was like, dude, he, why didn't he play up like the romance thing? And it's like, get her kind of involved and then like, then make your move to get out or whatever. That's why I texted you. Like, I wonder if there's a porn parody of this movie. But anyway, anyway, there's not. But anyway. You would know. <laughs> there's not. There needs to be. There was a whole Twitter thread of like, why isn't there a misery porn? <laughs> but anyway, so that whole scene of the dinner scene where he, he's been saving all of his pills and slipping them into this little cartridge, like into this little envelope, and then he slides it into her drink. And I don't know if she knew or not. I don't, I wanted to get your guys' take on that. I don't know if she knew or not, or if it was just like a lucky accident that she spilled her drink. But that scene was fucking great because you could just see the look on his face of like, oh my God, I've been saving these fucking pills for the last couple of days. But I don't know. Did you guys think that she knew that she was on to him? At first, I thought that she didn't. But then, I think like five minutes later in the movie, she was like, and my penguin was backwards, which was like weeks or months earlier. And I was like, she definitely knew. Like, she was <laughs> well, there's no, she changes his sheets. If you notice his sheets change mm-hmm. like frequently. Oh. So she had to have seen that he cut a hole in that mattress and that there were things in there. Um, and like that she knew the knife was in there. She knows, she knew, she just knows. But she is a nurse. She's meticulous. Yeah. And she would have seen that a whole package of pills was missing. Mm-hmm. like 100% would have known that yeah she's and, the kind of person that like would count them right mm-hmm. and I think she's just crazy enough <laughs> that a part of her never buys in to his especially because like you said she knew he had been out and mm-hmm. trying to escape so like she was just playing into a weird game of chess between them right she's playing into him playing into her like and I don't think there's any way she really would have believed that he was falling in love with her. Cause like even she's not crazy enough to think that someone being kept captive mm-hmm. would fall in love with her like that, so, especially when she's hurting him. So if she knew that he was constantly getting out, or I don't know, constantly, but at least getting out at some point, like did she leave out her scrapbook on purpose? Mm. I that's think a good, so. That's I, a great I, scene as well. When yeah. it like reveals like some of her potential victims, like if you read through, like pause it. Her, it's her father, like fellow nursing students, um, <clears throat> like patients under her care, babies, like you said, lots mm-hmm. of babies. Um, but yeah, that scene. Like another scene that I wanted to bring up though, uh, before we move on from scenes and into themes, um, and then I wreck your guys' world, <laughs> is uh, the scene when she comes in. And I feel like Kathy, I feel like this is one of the strongest scenes when she comes in and she's like really down and her Mm -hmm. hair is wet Mm -hmm. and she's, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like in a good mood actually, like typing, Mm -hmm. he's probably all drugged up and shit. But she's like, I have this gun and I've been thinking about using it and stuff. She's like, the rain gets me down. And she's like, I'm going to go put bullets in it or something. She's like, when my husband left me, I thought I might go crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like she pulls off crazy so effortlessly in that scene, though. I think it, as crazy as it is, I think it was also calculated. Like, Mm -hmm. she's already thought, as soon as she made the decision to follow this man around. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, if I go back and watch more closely, she probably had something to do with why he ran off the road. I don't know. But regardless... She kills with purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you notice from the scrapbook, she, she kills. She always benefited from the death. Yeah. She, yeah. she found out a way to benefit from it. And in this scenario, she's not, she's no dummy. Like she knows there's no way he's walking away from this and not, you know, then she's not going to be, you know, punished. It's not going to come back on her. It's like, so from the start, her intention is to get what she wants from him, toy with him, you know, get this misery book she had from the beginning knew she was going to kill him and basically exactly what she told the sheriff to publish the book as if she had written it herself as paul yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i think so too all right she wants to become a writer like and she's not a honestly she's not a bad editor (laughs) as an editor she's not a bad editor her Her methods methods are questionable 
but her instincts are right. Maybe she thought that she cared more about the story than he did in the (laughs) end, so she actually felt like that was her, like, uh, justification for it. Ah, so now as we get into the themes, uh, Carly hits a big one in this movie, which is, um, and you just described what is known as... (laughs) toxic fandom (laughs) and i think this is a big uh a big theme in this movie and it's kind of like how hodge and i felt after uh seeing the last jedi in theaters was um yeah that someone's gonna have to pay for this (laughs) it's not gonna be us it's gonna be someone else but yeah it's like it's almost like when she burnt the book and stuff she brought a fucking grill in there to burn the book because it was unacceptable because it wasn't the ending that she wanted but yeah, I think that's one of the themes. I'm just going to throw that hat out in the ring and um, let you guys roll with it. But Kate, if you want to throw out another one or Carly. Uh, well, the <laughs> idolatry and, fa- and toxic fandom is something, well, just fandom in general, mm-hmm. having a fan base in general um, is a major theme. So something I had kind of written in my notes was that if you're Paul, if you're someone like Paul, a celebrity, you know, a, a creative if you're Stephen King, mm-hmm. um, the same thing that they seek to make them feel happy or worthy, which are, you know, putting their art out in the world and it being appreciated also can make them feel this fear and doubt. So you get, a, I kind of alluded to this earlier too. Stephen King likes to write books about the writer's experience. Like, so you see this in the shining, you see this with this, uh, with misery. And this is kind of the struggle of a writer. Like, do you write to appease your audience that you've built and to keep that that gravy train going? Or do you write only for yourself and what makes you happy? Like, mm-hmm. I think you have a little bit of a modern example with, like, I mean, she's, like, toxic now. But J.K. Rowling at first, like, she built this huge fan base. Um, and then she, I think she decided to write something for herself, um, which was included. She said it was canon to the series. I think it's called like the lost child or the forbidden child the cursed child the cursed child <laughs> and like it was torn apart by the fan base and i think that was sort of the start of um sort of the rejection of her as the author of the series and then mm-hmm. like of course like since then she's sort of i don't, I don't know m- many specifics about her but uh, <laughs> she's gotten herself canceled <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but just as sort of an example like outside of you know like the politics of her like right it's like once you create something and put it out there and make sequels to it it one it doesn't almost belong to you anymore it's like a weird kind of possession thing it does but it doesn't and this this annie wilkes character feels like she was wronged by the sequel that like never should have been or whatever uh it's kind of one of the things like i said i i kid around about last jedi but it's like no well i I halfway kid around with Last Jedi. <laughs> but it's like, you know, Ghostbusters 2016, there's a it, Child's Play, which, you know, made me want to, like, drive my car into the, the pond out <laughs> Stick there. Stick your head into a Chucky box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just got an entire pizza and just sat in my front seat and ate it, like, after Child's Play. Like, am I, am I, like, am I me? Am I, am I alone? Um, <laughs> who am I? Kind of thing. Um, another theme that I wanted to introduce is, um, and you mentioned The Shining, and The Shining is another like glaring example of this, but uh, Stephen King always deals with substance abuse issues in his stuff. So um, in an interview with the author, um, this was with the Paris Review, he said, Annie was a metaphor for my drug problem, and she was my number one fan. God, she never wanted to leave. Now, the movie downplays that a little bit, the, uh, more than the book in the book like Paul I think struggles with addictions and substance abuse which plays a factor in him getting chained to a bed and she's like drugging him and stuff but you got to take that into account like in the movie as well it's just like in The Shining like his substance abuse kind of plays a role for sure uh, with Jack Torrance but um, yeah I don't know what you guys thought of that like whether Annie could be a metaphor for like if you think about it she's like 
she's his number one fan. She's like she's holding him captive. Right. Uh, he doesn't want to continue to be in this situation, but right. He doesn't have any control. I just gave you guys a big enchilada. So yeah, I mean, I, it all tracks. Yeah, I think definitely. She's like taking care of him, but not. She's ultimately harming him. Right. And right. And I think that uh, that's that's very like and um, if, if he doesn't get his shit together and figure something out, she'll kill him too. Mm-hmm. Just like happens a lot with addicts. Sometimes she, you just have to bash in the brains of your drug addiction. And she ended up helping him out <laughs> at the end. So it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Travis. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, like some powerful themes. Uh, as always, like this, this kind of theme, though, is through a lot of King's work because he himself struggled with substance abuse. Like he, he says he doesn't remember writing like Cujo or the Tommy Knockers. I can't remember what novel. But it's like, can you imagine not remembering like writing a novel that you published and put out yeah, and shit. Wild. It's like, um, but yeah, a lot of that bleeds into his stuff. Um, you know, I can't remember that old saying, but it's like, you know, you're writing what you know and it's like what he knows is substance abuse and stuff like that. So a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff is going to bleed in. I think the movie actually does more on the toxic fandom kind of route, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, you guys have anything else as far as themes? This is just piggybacking honestly off of the, um, kind of the addicts, the writer slash addict experience that he's literally, this, I think this book and The Shining are like almost the, probably the closest to, or the most obvious, I guess, um, allusions to his actual life and personal experience. But um, I don't know, I haven't read all of his stuff. So maybe there's other things that fall into this category, but these are very almost literal at times. Drug addiction is mental illness no it's like Mm -hmm. alcoholism you know addictive personality i don't know Mm -hmm. um it's part of mental illness so like there's obviously mental illness going on both ways here um there's this isolation uh psychosis on the part of annie uh and then you've got paul as this captive of annie and as a writer he also you know has to write characters and he has to write lots of different diverse characters so he's like he's got to be in touch with his empathy and with people of different experiences to be a good writer at least mm-hmm. um and so you s- i think it's really interesting how you watch in this film how paul has to be a little crazy to survive yeah. and adapt to her create unique kind mm-hmm. of flavor of crazy and so you see him almost going <laughs> a little bit crazy as he's just trying to survive yeah her. that's a good point though like that is like a legit good point don't be so surprised, okay? Oh, uh, please. <laughs> Kate has Brooks tied up at the house right now like that. But, yeah. And probably Heath, too. Heath is probably hobbled <laughs> at home. He's got to keep dev- your mouth shut in this. You Would you rather saw way? his leg off or hobble Heath? I mean, I love him, so I'd probably cut it right off just to like... <laughs> God <laughs> <No>. damn. <laughs> I think I'd fashion a device... <laughs> that so if Brian like did something out of line, it would that device would trigger. Huh? Like a so he, so he would just yeah live fucking in jigsaw. Fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm kidding. I'll never do that. She's hanging like a shotgun, like next to. <laughs> She's like chairs. I'm going out. I'm gonna be at brunch for seven hours. You're watching the kid. <laughs> Put your device on. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about a bunch of stuff. Uh, as it pertains to the fantastic 1990 film Misery. Um, Right now, I want to go around and uh, give kind of your final statements on Misery, Carly, and your final rating out of five. What would you give uh, out of a rating of five sledgehammers? Let's do that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I loved this movie. It was Mm -hmm. um, my favorite out of all of the movies that you've had me watch. Crash? Crash, Didn't make the... There was there was no um, penetrating of leg wounds in this movie. I mean, it got pretty close, but um, no, there was I, a slit in the mattress. But. <laughs> uh, I I love this movie. I would honestly give this four sledgehammers to the ankles out okay. of five. All right, Kate. This is a five out of five for me. Five out of All five right. sledgehammers. I just love this movie. I've now seen it twice, and after seeing it twice fully enjoyed it just as much as the first time in a totally different setting like once was like party mode with college kids you know all of us reacting to the like, this is a weird part that. well maybe and it's then, not maybe it's not a weird because it annie wilkes is kind of funny yeah 
she like uh, she yeah take so a when, shot every time she says poo. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when we were like it was start things were starting to come back to me like when we were i was watching it younger which with much less like in our life experiences and you know traumas and things mm-hmm. um and just a lot less knowledge about you know anything uh watching it is at the same time you know <laughs> impressive like anyone can watch this at any age you know you know as you're as long as you're an adult um and be impressed or by seven or at age seven and be impressed by the like the performance and um the story but you're right like we laughed a lot more mm-hmm. as the college kids and i laughed like sitting with my husband watching it <laughs> but honestly he was cracking up whenever she said cock duty or like dirty birdie college kate and was like dead babies yeah <laughs> <laughs> no and like well that didn't that wasn't as you know shocking as a college kid. I was I was like, oh, that's cool, that's brutal, whatever. Take a but, shot. Like, but now as a mom, I'm like, oh my god, that'd be so I devastating. Never. She's a monster. But <laughs> but yeah, now like watching it with with Brian, who had never seen it, you know, just mm-hmm. like total Brian Brooks mo, like he d- hadn't seen anything. Right. And uh, just to see his reactions, like he and I even jumped. I knew it was coming, and I still jumped at some parts, um, like when she comes back to you know she you think she's dead she comes back yep. and kind of jumps on him like i didn't remember her coming back me. from that either yeah i didn't remember yeah, her coming and back. uh the hobbling still made me cringe and brian was just like oh my god i didn't see that coming like his reaction was like so fun so i think that's something about this film is like you can watch it over and over again and you can still enjoy it yeah the, it is impressive the performance by kathy bates and then like I would love to just continue through my life just introducing this to people who have never seen it and watching their reactions. Yeah, no, for sure. What about you? Yeah, this has to be like a four and a half or five out of five. Uh, I'd probably go like four and a half. It's not my favorite Stephen King adaptation, but it's it's up there, man. Like, it's pretty damn near perfect. Um, but yeah, just a masterful movie. Um, my introduction to Kathy Bates. I don't know. What were your guys' introductions to Kathy Bates? Was it this or was it something like what? more of what she's known for known for for me yeah um yeah to me she's always annie wilkes uh, she's in fried green she tomatoes and like or something i feel like i must have seen <clears throat> one of those um i'll, I'll go look i'm that. looking at her movies so yeah she was in fried green tomatoes titanic mm-hmm. i think titanic oh, might have been titanic the first one yeah titanic yeah. yeah um she was even cool in the titanic i mean she's been in the office she's like, in a bunch of shit yeah blind annie the water boy, of course. Oh Probably yeah, the water boy. Dude. Yeah, his mom. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, great fucking actress. Um, but yeah, this was probably my introduction to Kathy Bates. So this is what I always think about when I think about her. But yeah, The Misery is a masterclass of 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 film. Uh, not just horror, but a film. Like I, I this movie's fucking amazing. Um, if you guys haven't seen this movie, go check it out. Carly, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. It was super fun to talk to you. Of and course. Your return to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Producer Kate, as always, thank you for joining us. Duh. <laughs> and uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Horrifying My Friends and on Twitter at Horrifying MF. Shoot me a line at Capped Creature on Twitter and at Travis Bar on Facebook. Uh, go out and hobble your partner um, <laughs> or cut their legs off and cauterize it. Uh, in either or. We actually don't advise that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>